Today I want to talk to you about a theme called the power of honor. The power of honor. Peter wrote this letter, it's called actually a letter, to these Christians because they were experiencing persecution. And because of that, they were suffering. They were under pressure. Not everybody, not everybody was excited when they gave their hearts to Christ. Do you remember when you gave your heart to Jesus? You thought, man, everybody's going to be excited. Well, they weren't. Now, your mom was who prayed for you for years. But apart from that, your friends, they're like, man, what's up? You kind of going too far with this thing? I mean, we're Christians too. But now all of a sudden, your newfound faith in Christ, you're making different choices. Uh, You're wanting to go to different places. You're doing different things. And your convictions are bringing, quote, conviction on your friends. And they don't like it. That's exactly what's happening to these first century Christians. And they're actually suffering. They're feeling this persecution because of these people. Hey, man, what's up? This Jesus thing, you've gone too far. And Peter is writing to instruct them how to live holy and hope-filled. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, I'll say one more time, if you miss any of these messages, I have three more weeks, I'm teaching all of them, but if you miss any of them, go back, download the podcast so you can catch up with us. Here we go, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Peter writes, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable. There it is the first time. You're going to see this word over and over in these two chapters, honorable, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, because you're living honorable, because your conduct is honorable, when they see your good works, they're going to have to make a decision. They can either lie about you, make up things, or... When they see your good works, which they observe, they will actually glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter reiterates this theme of sojourners. If you look in chapter 1, here's how Peter started his letter. Here's what he said. In essence, he says, hi, my name's Peter. I'm an apostle. I walked with Jesus. Now let me talk about you. And one of the things he said right off the bat is he called these first century Christians living in Asia Minor. It's a province, Roman Empire. Rome controlled the world. Modern day Turkey, Asia Minor in the Bible times, it was controlled by Rome. And he called them exiles, verse 2. He revisits this theme and now calls them sojourners. Pilgrims. What is a sojourner? What is a pilgrim? It is somebody that is going from one place to another place. Watch this. And it's not their home. The place where they are is not their home. They're on a journey. Peter tells these first century Christians, guys, you, you are, you're, you're passing through. In other words, your home is, well, you're on the earth temporarily, but for a believer in Jesus, your home is in heaven. Paul, the apostle in the book of Philippians, actually says something interesting in Philippians 3.20. He says, you're actually, as believers in Jesus, we're actually citizens of heaven. Isn't that interesting? You ever thought about that before? That the Bible calls you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a citizen of heaven. So you could call it this way. You could say it this way. We're citizens, as believers in Jesus, we are citizens of heaven, but we're on the earth with a work visa. 
If you didn't get that, you'll get it sometime today. You have an assignment from God. You have, an, you have gifts and talents and abilities. And whether you live 80, 90, 100, 105, however long you live, you have a work visa. In other words, you have an assignment. God wants you to fulfill a purpose on the earth. But for the Christian, the Christian, your home is in heaven. Now, I understand national. I understand that we carry passports. But in the end, our ultimate citizenship is in heaven. Matter of fact, I, my friend... I was with a pastor friend of mine one time. I didn't know this about him, but he actually was born in another country. And he told me about, uh, of course, he's an American citizen. He actually has a dual citizenship. And so it was kind of an intriguing conversation. I, I just really never had that in depth of a conversation with somebody who has dual citizenship. I said, man, that's cool. He says, well, kind of, but not really. I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, he says, the truth is, is there are benefits, but there's also costs. I said, well, tell me about the cost. I want to know right off. He goes, well, let me tell you about the cost. Number one, he says, like, for example, you can fall, you fall under the legal code, basically, of both nations. In other words, you can be penalized in one nation and still go back to your other nation and still have ramifications. Number two, there are financial implications at times. And number three, he says, if our nation, if the United States has a relationship with another nation and that other nation has compulsory military service, potentially you may have to serve. In other words, there is double responsibility for the believer in Jesus our citizenship is in heaven, but, but, but we are on this earth and we have double responsibility. God has called you and I. He has marked us and he has placed within us a passion to make a difference. Watch us in this life. Our ultimate home is in heaven. P Peter said we are sojourners. We are pilgrims passing through. Verse 11, he says, therefore, abstain from fleshly lusts. Live differently. Talk differently. You're different. You've been born again. Chapter 1 was all about who you are in Christ. You've been called. You've been chosen. You've been sprinkled by the blood of Christ. You've been shielded by the power of God. Chapter 1 was all about, watch us, your belief in what Christ has done in you. Chapter 2 and 3 is now your behavior because of your belief. At some point in time, as a Christian, your beliefs must translate into behaviors. It affects our lifestyle. He, he, Peter said, we've got to walk differently. We've got to talk differently. Abstain from fleshly lust. Verse 12, he says, having your conduct, here it is. Now, here's this word, and we're going to see it over and over. Having your conduct, what's that next word say it? Honorable among the Gentiles. In other words, when these People that don't know God, look at your life. Is there a distinctiveness about your life that causes them to ask questions? In other words, there's a time to talk. But make sure we've got a lot of walk, 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 which builds a platform for us to actually have credibility to talk. Talk, but make sure it's backed up by a lot of walk. Peter says there's coming a moment that the Gentiles around you, they're going to ask. Actually, we get into chapter 3. We're gonna get, I'm going to equip you next week about how to respond apologetically. I'm going to teach you on how to respond to a dying world, a, a broken culture, theologically. But, but he says, you're coming to a moment where your talk, they're going to want to know what's happening, but it's got to be backed up by walk. The word honor means admirable, commendable, noble. 
To honor means to respect or to esteem. I think it's something that we've all got to grow in. I know I do. I, I, I've told you guys this before. My personality, I, I, I appreciate aspects of my personality. Thank God that the Holy Spirit keeps growing us in the maturity of Christ, the nine fruits of the Spirit, right? That's a lifelong journey as we're growing in the character of Christ and, and, and how that affects your personality. I've always been kind of a hyped up person and kind of a type A person. And, and grocery stores have always been a great refining process for me. <laughs> i never forget years ago I was in line and of course you know waiting in lines is a great refining process so it's like this line and this this precious girl man she's just taking her time she's just enjoying herself it was a kumbaya moment let me just say that just just very very just just precious and peaceful and of course you know you can be in line and you can start giving signals what's up let's go Woo! Uh, you know you can just do things and you can build little coalitions with people in front and back of you too it's kind of moving slow. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> you know, do your throw. And so finally I get up there and she's just so sweet. You know, she just did my thing. She goes, that'll be $26.17, Pastor. <laughs> that was a great message last week. I said, oh, God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> you precious sister in the Lord. God bless you. Everybody say honor. honor. We've got to learn how to honor everyone, to esteem them, to ascribe value to them. Peter is very serious about this. He goes over and over and over about honor. We, we, I believe that honor is actually a, a lost concept in our culture. Let me say this, a rapidly, a rapidly diminishing concept. The truth is Hollywood, social media, definitely, it's almost deified. You know what it means to deify? It's to make it godlike. They've almost deified dishonor in our culture. It's almost like you get extra credit for how you can rag on people and dishonor people and make fun and mock people. And yet, and yet the Bible goes over and over and over teaching about honoring people. What do, I, what do I mean by ascribing value? They're made in the image of God. Value, esteem, honor. Honor is something that is so important to have built into our hearts. Yes, we honor God, but we honor people. We ascribe value to them. I, I, I remember growing up as a, as, a, as a young boy, my parents, I mean, my gosh, I mean, you honor, you honor your teachers, you honor your coaches, you honor civic leaders. I mean, I, I, if I ever came home and downed my coach to my mom, guess what? Yeah, I mean, I, there's ne she would never buy into my side of the story because the coach you want to honor. And it doesn't mean that she never believed that they were right, or that I was right. It was just the principle is so important. It's the principle of honoring authority, a blessing. It's, it's almost as though we have, we, have, we have esteemed dishonor so much that, that be careful what we're transmitting to our kids. Be, be careful what we're transmitting in culture. It's not to suggest that we don't teach self-advocacy. It's not to suggest that we don't equip your, your, your kid to be able to talk to the coach. But how you speak about the coach, how you speak about authority, how you speak about the teacher. Peter says honor. Everyone say it. Say that word, honor. There's another word that goes hand in hand with honor. It's the word submit, to come under, to honor and to come under. Honor is the posture of the heart. 
Submission is the behavior of our lives. It's easy to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord when we honor one another. It's, it's easy to follow the leadership of a boss or somebody when we understand the principle of honor. Peter now begins a journey these next few chapters, and he talks about honor and submission and how they're coupled together. Let me give you three unique places that we are to live out submission. Number one, in our society. First Peter chapter 2, I'm just going verse by verse. Look at verse 13. Therefore, submit. Everybody say submit. Big word. Honor and submission coupled together. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake. Whether to the king is supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, And for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good. What is the will of God? People ask me that sometimes. Pastor, what's the will of God? There's different places in the Bible where it's real. This is the will of God. Here's one of them. For this is the will of God. That by doing good. You may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God, here it is again, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Wow. Boom, 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 boom. Again, honor and submission go hand in hand. And Peter is teaching us that we not only honor people, but we honor the institutions that God has set into the earth that prescribe and describe how we submit to authority. Authority is a big concept in the Bible. It is a big concept in life. It's something that we learn in an early age, that somebody's in charge. Mom and dad are in charge, that teacher's in charge. There's something about, it's, it's good for the soul. It, it's good to understand that there's somebody in charge, ultimately to reflect our relationship with God. And yet God has established earthly institutions, earthly individuals, where they're, quote, in, they're in charge. And Peter reiterates this theme that our conduct, that our conduct is to be honorable to those, quote, in charge. Remember believers, who is he writing to? Who is Peter writing to? This is important to understand context. Peter's writing to new Christians. They were pagan Gentiles. They got born again and they're living under Roman rule. Guess who the emperor or the king is at this time? Nero, who hated Christians. Matter of fact, Nero hated Christians so much, he basically tried to frame Christians Read about this in history. It's, it's interesting. He burns down. He gets his soldiers, and they burn down half the city, and they did it strategically to blame it on the Christians because the Christians had a favorable opinion. People liked them, and they're like, no, no, these are horrible people. Can I, can I tell you something? Nero was not a good guy. And yet this is the context that Peter writes this, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We believe at Church King the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And yet, God tells Peter to write what? That we are to honor. Everyone say honor. That we are to honor the king. Wow. Romans chapter 13, 1, Paul picks up the same theme, and he says this. 
Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Here's what he's saying. All authority is directly from God. In other words, authority is God's idea. He's the ultimate authority, yet he establishes human authority. And there's a why for that. Without authority, our world is in pure chaos. A nation without authority, it leaves its citizens terrified. People are terrified when there's no authority. Who's in charge? Matter of fact, I know this firsthand. And those of you, I know we have people at different campuses around the country and people watch around the world. But in South Louisiana, I know exactly how it feels. I know what it was like seven to eight, nine days after Hurricane Katrina and nobody was in charge. Matter of fact, I was here running a relief organization. I know when the government officials were asking us, what should we do and what supplies we have? And can I tell you something? It's a very scary thing. Thank God we have Jesus. Thank God we have the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So, so God, God establishes human authority to bring, to bring peace and to bring order. I've had this question over time as pastors, as a pastor, and I want to answer it. Well, pastor, is there a time ever that we should disobey government or exercise what's called civil disobedience? In other words, when do Christians disobey the authorities governing over them? Is there ever a case when we can, quote, exercise and heaven sanctions it and blesses what's called civil disobedience. In other words, when can Christians disobey the government? When can they do that? Peter actually faced this challenge over and over in the book of Acts, if you read it. One time in Acts chapter 5, Peter was told by the scribes, the ruling religious leaders that ruled during that time, They actually told him to not preach in the name of Jesus. And then he was brought before the high court, the high priest, and the high priest begins to interrogate Peter based upon him doing something that they explicitly told him not to do. Acts chapter 5, watch this, interchange. Acts 5 verse 28, did we not strictly command you? The high priest is interrogating Peter. He says, do we not strictly command you to not teach in this name? What name? The name of Jesus. And, I, and, and look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. We ought to obey God rather than man. Peter himself rebuffs the authorities and says, well, if it comes down to us obeying you or God, in other words, if you're asking us to do something, I want to get real clear. If you're asking us to do something that directly contradicts the revealed word of God, we're going to disobey you and we're going to obey God. Pastor, when is there a case that a Christian can make for civil disobedience when we can disobey government? Whenever the government asks you to do something that is in direct contradiction to the revealed word of God. Let me give you an example. The book of Daniel. Remember Daniel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that? Fiery, you know, furnace and lion's dead. You guys remember that? Say yes. Making sure I've taught you the Bible. I've taught it twice. The whole book of Daniel. Remember his three friends. If you read in the book of Daniel, there was an edict that Nebuchadnezzar put throughout the land. And they made a golden statue, and the golden statue, and they made it. And they said, everybody in the land, watch this, needs to bow down 
and worship the golden statue. But the three Hebrew boys, they knew the scripture. And they said, we'll not bow down. Ultimately, they were thrown into the furnace. God showed up. It was a mighty deliverance. But you want to know why? Here's why they wouldn't bow down and worship the golden image. Because it was a reflection of Nebuchadnezzar. Here's why. Because they were good Jewish boys that knew the first of the Ten Commandments. Thou shall have no other gods before me. We shall worship the Lord. So government asked them to do something that directly contradicted the revealed word of God. There's examples throughout the Bible where civil disobedience is sanctioned by heaven. Think about it in the, even in our recent history, Corey Timboom, a great example of what's called civil disobedience. She was hiding Jewish people to protect them from the Nazis. Some of you read the book, The Hiding Place, or you saw the movie, The Hiding Place. And why was she doing that? She was doing that because she was obeying God rather than man. More specifically, in recent time, Martin Luther King Jr. And I, if you need to read letters from the Birmingham jail, very powerful. I love what he said this. He says, we tried to obey every law that we could, but we disobeyed peaceably the ones that were egregiously unjust. Yes, we are to obey God rather than man. When man asks us to do something that strictly and directly contradicts the revealed word of God, we can disobey. It's not your opinion. It's not your philosophy. And I want to say this. I want every location. I'm going to say it one time very clearly. Again, to be clear, one more time. When a government attempts to force people to explicitly disobey commandments in the revealed word of God, civil disobedience is warranted. Only then do we not submit to civil authorities? Everybody say amen. amen. I don't know how I can get it any clearer than that. Verse 16, as free yet not using your liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. What is Peter telling them? He's saying you're free in Christ, but don't let your freedom in Christ be a stumbling block to other people. I'm shocked by some Christians today. They're free in Christ. Freedom in Christ ultimately means we've been freed from the law of sin and death, set free from the power of sin. Then why do you want to go back and get close to the line doing the things you used to do? In the name of freedom. In the name of freedom. I am shocked by the easy grace teaching today where you can just do anything you want in Christ because you prayed a prayer one time. And no, 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 no. Can I tell you something? If you prayed a prayer and you're truly born again, you want to get away from sin and pursue righteousness. You want to pursue God. Peter said, don't let your freedom in Christ be a stumbling block to others. Paul reiterates the same thing in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only don't let your liberty be an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Paul again says, 1 Corinthians 6, 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by any. I love this concept, it's so clear. It's so clear. He's saying, be constrained by the love of Christ, watch this, and use your freedom in Christ to be a servant to others. What's the context? So the Gentiles that don't know God may see your honorable conduct, conduct and worship God. May they say, wait, there's something about this God. 
1 Peter 2.17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. All right, number one, submission in society. Number two, submission in the workplace. I'm going to give you three categories here. Stay with me. Everyone say society. Everybody say workplace and say the home. Okay, watch this. Submission and honor in the workplace. Look at verse 18 and 19. Servants, workers, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to, to the good and gentle. Don't only obey the bosses that are amazing and that hand out bonuses and say, you're fantastic, you're amazing, and they just send you on trips and you're just awesome. And did I tell you today how great you are? And you're, I mean, who doesn't want to work for that person, right? I mean, they send you emails, hey, Make it happen today. You're amazing. Hey, by the way, I don't know if you're going out of town, but I want to send you and your spouse. I mean, who doesn't want to work for a good and gentle boss? But Peter says there's other bosses that we work for. Not only the good and gentle. You can only submit to the good and gentle. It's easy to submit to them, but to the harsh. Whoa, what is he saying? For this is the commendable, for this is commendable, if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief through suffering wrongfully. Peter continues with this theme of submission and honor. The context is first century homes were interesting. You, you go into some places in the Middle East and you'll see shops and kind of merchants on the street. Oftentimes they'll live in the same home, same concept. Their workplace, they would sell things in the front of their home, they'd live in the back of the home. Same concept, first century church. So the workers actually be living. So in other words, the workers and the bosses would be living oftentimes in the same place. And here's what Peter was clear. He says, listen, you want to make a good testimony to an unbelieving generation? Number one, submit to the gentle good boss, but you're also going to have some other bosses. And God will use those bosses to produce something in you that can't be produced when you're working for this boss. Don't forget the goal of your Christian life. Yes, to fulfill a purpose, but also to grow in the character of Jesus. And the way that we grow in the character of Jesus often is through things that don't make sense. And, well, I wish that this person, there are some injustices that God will allow to utilize to get to the core of what he's trying to put into our heart and also take out of our hearts. Take out the flesh and put in the spirit. Put in the kindness of Jesus, self-control, meekness, God, the fruits of the spirit. Peter reiterates over and over. You're going to have some good bosses, but you're going to have some tough bosses. I've had tough bosses and I've had good bosses. By the way, it's very, very clear here how we respond. Heaven is watching, but not only heaven, so is culture. Paul goes on in Ephesians, Paul writes, bond servants be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, not as, um, as to Christ, not with eye servants, not with eye service as men pleases, but bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. So what's the goal here? What is Peter saying? One of the ways, I don't want anybody to miss this, every one of our locations, one of the ways that God builds character in our hearts is when we work in an environment where the boss is, is, is a little bit different. Maybe they're a little harsh. God's still working in your heart. I'm not suggesting that we don't self-advocate. I'm not suggesting that we don't talk to HR. I'm not, but I am suggesting you can't run from any tough situation. 
you've got at some point down realizing God's got me here. It's not ideal, but he's working in my character. He's making me into the man. He's making me, ladies, the woman of God God created you to be. And he uses situations like that to squeeze out of you the things that he wants to take out of you and to put into you the things he wants to put into you. Now, to the bosses, supervisors, overseers, Peter's got a word for you. Paul's got a word for you. Verse 9, and you masters, do the same thing to them, giving up threatening. So it's not to suggest that he lets the boss off the hook, but he is suggesting even if you have a harsh boss, he's got still looking at your character. Bosses, give up threatening, knowing that you all, you also have a master who's in heaven. Yeah. So you're going to have to be accountable one day too. You're going to stand before the ultimate boss. How do you treat your employers? I want to encourage all the business owners Managers, leaders, how do you treat those that are working for you? Are you caring for them? Are you adding value to them? Are you helping them professionally, personally? Are you creating an environment that's healthy where they can flourish? God's got a word for you to ultimately, Peter would come back and revisit this theme. First Peter 2.21, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving as an example that we should follow in his steps. What's the point? I'll go to the third and final point and I'll close. What is Peter after here? He's after us embracing the cross. He's after us realizing that God is most interested in what we're becoming than what we're just doing. And God uses pressure to refine our character. I, I wish you could skip steps. By the way, we all know people that skip steps. It doesn't end up well. But God produces something in us. He refines our character when we're in pressure situations. All right. Honor and submission in society. Honor and submission in the workplace. Last one. Honor and submission in the home. Are y'all learning anything? Is this helping anybody? Good. I love teaching the Bible. You don't want to miss next week. You don't want to miss next week. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Hang on. Husbands and wives, this is going to be real fun. This is going to be fun. 1 Peter 3. Wives, hang on, ladies. Likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. That even I knew this was that type of church. Hang on, ladies. Just hang on. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Your conduct, ladies, your prayers and your conduct can actually change the trajectory of the home because God will work through your faith to touch your husband and your children. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Peter tells us here that that when a wife lives in that sense of she understands, we believe, I believe the Bible teaches that. I believe the Bible teaches that the husband is the spiritual leader of the home. I didn't say the smartest. I didn't say they have to run all the fine. I didn't say that at all. Spiritual. That is not about a privilege. That's about a responsibility, guys. So hang on. Peter, Peter goes on. Look what he says in verse 7. So wives, he gives you an assignment there. He says you're to submit to your husband. Watch this. And your conduct's important, your prayer life and your conduct, because you can impact your, not only your husband, the, but the trajectory of your home. Watch this. Now he talks to the guys. Here goes Peter. Husbands, likewise. Ah. 
Dwell with them with understanding. Giving, oh, there's that word. What's that next word? Come on, say it. Honor. Giving honor. I mean, I've talked to a lot of husbands. She won't submit to me. Well, do you honor her? Do you love her? Which one comes first? I'll tell you in a moment. Giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. What does he mean weaker? Physically. I'll beat any woman in this church in arm wrestling. Wait, actually, maybe 95% of them. Are y'all with me? And being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. What is the key word there? Honor. Everyone say honor. I cannot tell you over the years how many conversations I've had with God. Well, you know, my wife won't submit to me. She won't follow my spiritual Well, the problem is, is that you've got to honor her. You've got to love her. You've got to cherish her. In other words, guys, you've got to get a PhD in your wife. What do I mean by that? Dwell with her. What does Peter say? Live with your wife and do everything you can to understand her, which is a miracle from God. But anyway, <laughs> I just have to say that, but God will help us. But, 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 but hey, God never asks us to do something that it's impossible to do. Without his help, we can do it. Listen to me. Dwell with understanding and honor her. I can't tell you the guys I've had conversations. Well, you know what? She won't submit. Well, I would say this. Well, you say, well, she won't submit to me. And I say, well, do you love and cherish her? Do you honor her? Well, if she'll do that, I'll do that. Time out. Ladies, you're going to love this one. Paul talks about the same imagery, talks about the husband-wife relationship. By the way, that's why marriage from God's design of one man, one woman is so important because it's actually a picture of the bride and the bridegroom, the husband and wife in the Bible. Marriage is a holy institution in the Bible. But Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 says, husbands, love your wives. Everybody say, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Okay, here's the question. What comes first? Does a wife submit or does a husband honor? Well, can I tell you this? Who loved first? Did Jesus love us first or did we love Jesus first? He loved us first. So in other words, guys, I'm talking all the guys here. God has designed your wife to respond to your loving care. And when you do that, she will follow your spiritual leadership. She will follow your spiritual leadership. Now, wives, some of you have unbelieving husbands by your conduct and by your prayer and by your faith. And Peter talks about that. You can influence the spiritual atmosphere of that home. So there's a responsibility on both parts. But love, honor, and submit. And, 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 and oh, 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 the caveat to this. So your prayers won't be hindered. I'm going to ask, and I don't like to ask a lot of questions in a message. People raise their hand, but I'm going to ask all of our locations, those that are watching online, how, would, how many married couples would, would like for their prayers not to be hindered? Raise your hand. Okay, okay, okay. Now here's my question. What does Peter say is one of the number one things? It's actually... The only place in the Bible where it shows that a husband and wife coming together actually is part of the solution of answered prayer. He said, when a husband dwells with understanding and honors the wife and the wife submits to the husband, and there's a, you know what, why? Because it produces a oneness of spiritual power when a husband and a wife are together. 
That's why the enemy wants to destroy marriages and he'll try to divide. What is he after? The oneness. One of the greatest pictures to a pagan culture is a godly man and woman coming together and walking through. By the way, even when we mess up, we can still show the world how to own our mistakes and our sins. By the way, that's another testimony. We don't blame other people. Well, the reason why this happened to me is because I was locked in a refrigerator when I was three. My brain's been freeze dry, and so everybody else is the problem. No, your past influences you, but your past doesn't determine you. Your decisions do. Your, your decisions do. I got to tell you, as a, I've been in college. I've said this many times, college and seminary and all that stuff. And, and I still, I still, I still have to make a decision to pray with my wife. I still have to make the step to pray with my wife. I, I, we hold hands and pray with my wife. It's not to suggest that she doesn't ever mention, but I'm going to tell you, guess what? Guess what? I have the responsibility, spiritual leadership. I just wish my wife spiritual leadership. And I'll hold her hand and we start praying. We start believing God. And, and, and guess what? And Peter says, and Peter says, your prayers are powerful. You pray together. Statistics will show couples that pray together stay together. Why? Because your spirit, soul, and body, when you pray together, your spirits become intermingled. It's so powerful. The world consummates marriage to the physical, and they may connect on the mental, but the Christian connects on the spiritual. Pray together. Everybody say, pray together. So what have we learned today? We learned the power of honor. Peter's teaching us honor. He's honor. Honor and submission, number one in society. We honor authority. Even if we can't honor the person, we still have to honor the position. Yeah. And there are times and cases, biblically, I don't have to reteach it, for civil disobedience. Look at the message. You'll understand in the first 10 minutes. Number two, in the home, I mean in the workplace, as, as employees, we honor as we work as unto the Lord. We realize that God uses situations at times that are difficult with the boss to produce something in us. Yes, we self-advocate, but don't lose sight of the fact God's working in you. Bosses, treat people well. You have a master in heaven. And last, husbands, honor your wives. Care for your wife. Love your wife. Wives, submit to your husbands. Pray together, and you'll stay together. Come on, do y'all receive that word? Does that help anybody? Let's pray. Matter of fact, I'm going to end a little bit different than I usually do. If you're sitting next to your spouse, the first thing I'm going to ask you is hold your spouse's hand right now, just right where you are. Every one of our locations, those that are watching online, if you're with your spouse, just, Lord, I'm praying for the marriages in this church. Holy Spirit, do your surgery, do your work. Some of you haven't held hands with your wife or your husband in a while. God wants to soften your heart. Lord, let today be a fresh a fresh vision for the men to honor their wives. What does it mean to value, to esteem, to cherish, to dwell with understanding, study your wife, know what makes her tick, love her. Ladies, submit and follow your husband's leadership. He needs to feel respected and loved and cared for as well. Come together. Come together. I rebuke the enemy that would try to divide and separate. God, you brought marriages together to be a testimony, to be a testimony to culture that with God's help, all things are possible. Lord, heal marriages. Heal broken hearts. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, 
I want to give one more call. If you do not know Jesus Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with God, I want to pray for you. Wherever you are, married, single, young, old, whatever campus, those watching online, in just a moment, you're going to have an opportunity to tell the host. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. If that's you, in just a moment, at the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. I can't save you. No man can save you. Jesus Christ says, I can point to him. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Jesus? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before him? The count of three, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up high. One, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Guys, God bless you up top. God bless you right there. Anybody else, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure. God bless you all right there. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you right there. Yeah. Yeah. Church family, can we pray with those that are trusting Christ? This is the most important prayer they'll ever pray. It's a, it's a prayer of a, a decision moment. A confession is Christ being their Lord and Savior. Let's pray together with them. Can we do that? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me through blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Wow, what an amazing message. And hey, we wanna take a second to say congratulations to those of you who have made the decision to follow Jesus. We know that this is the biggest decision you will ever make. And I would love to just take a second here to just imagine what it would be like if you and I were sitting across from each other, maybe at a coffee shop or maybe in a park, what would I tell you? Well, I would encourage you to do two things, one, Get the right resources to help you to continue to walk this life out. And the second thing I would say is a big deal, okay? I have learned for myself that this has helped tremendously, and that is get around the right people. And it changed my life once I decided to spend more time with people who would encourage me and challenge me instead of being distracted by others. So we wanna encourage you to take that step and we would love to partner with you and to help you with that. And the easiest way you can let us know is by clicking the link in the chat or you could click the link on the screen. And we would love to reach out with you and to share some of those resources with you. Absolutely, we really are celebrating this decision as your church family because we know that this is the start of a brand new life with Jesus. But I wanna encourage you with one final thing. This is the start of a new life. It's not the end of something. We believe that this right now is the beginning of this amazing new journey of following Jesus. And so I wanna just encourage you, keep showing up. Don't stop, don't get distracted. Keep showing up, keep reading your Bible, keep pressing in in your relationship with God, keep attending here at Church Online, keep attending a small group maybe, whatever it is, just keep showing up. And we believe that as you do that, God is gonna be faithful to do the work of transforming you from the inside out. And again, we are just celebrating this moment. We are so excited for you. Yes, and hey, that wraps up our time this week with part three. Join us next week as we continue with part four of Out of Darkness. 
and we'll see you same time, same place. We love you guys. Have a great week.